Oh, shit! Sounds like their water pressure killing something outside. And my cat's digging into my arm with her, all her might. Scratching as hard as she can. Very strong animal. I'm dying. I can't help it. Oh, it's another Healing Club podcast episode with Russell Semick. He's been on about four or five times. I love him. He's one of my oldest comedy friends in a in Houston, Texas, partying down to the meter. Sissy strut, just sissy strut party party. There's somebody outside with a wood chipper and his leg in it. He's dead. It's the movie Fargo out there. We're having a hard life and a hard time of it. My cat, she just been to the vet. No major problems. No worms. She's just hungry all the time. What the fuck? Why do I gotta fucking feed my cat? I'm headlining a fucking show tonight. And I'm totally unprepared. I'm not gonna be funny. I'm not good. It's at Bohemios. I'm headlining a fucking show with... Uh, Connor Stitt, hosting, you know, Jamal Rahal's on the gay show. I'm on a real show. I'm not on the gay show. I mean, I am gay, though. I'm so gay. People are sick of it. It only takes... Uh, there's a joke I was thinking of doing for a while about how, like... I love when I present a joke by... Here's a thought that made me laugh once, and it's not funny to me anymore at all. Do you guys want to listen to it? Not at all. I'm sure... Being... Like... Not getting laid for five years kind of makes you a virgin. Because that's like gayer than... Like, being a born-again virgin is, is like being gay. Or it's gay, it's as gay as what I do. Me sucking dicks! Eating ass! It's not as gay as you being single your whole fucking life! That's gay! <laughs> that's my shithead joke. I'm a shithead person. I've had a hard time of it sometimes. Mostly an easy time of it. Just uh, DJ at the strip club. Nobody cries for me when I cry. I just play music at a strip club and I talk to dancers and I get tapped out and I try my best to be a empathetic No, I just, I'm just walking and talking until I die. That's I have no other purpose. Anyway, this is a great interview with Russell Simic. We're we're good friends. We have been for a long time. I mean, I respect him, and I think he's very funny. And there is something going on outside. There's a fence being built. <laughs> Prince, sexy dancer. Love Prince. Anyway, just get started with the episode here. Put it out, whatever, no editing. Don't even listen to it first. Who cares about these things? Russell Simic, internet goon, stand up comic, a lot of Eric Clapton jokes, anti Eric Clapton comedian, Russell Simic on the podcast with me. And this is maybe our fourth or fifth episode. And yeah, boy. We'll, we'll do it again. All right. And um, I'm headlining a show tonight. And I'm fucking nervous. Bohemia's and I'm on the Best of Secret group on Saturday. Saturday at 8. Uh, February 12th. 
Saturday. I'll be on the Best of Secret Group Showcase. So, go to the Secret Group for that. This is going to be out sooner than later. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is the Healing Club. Okay. All right. I'll try, I'll try to get, get close in, to it. Get in real close. Russell Simic back on the on the Healing Club podcast with Bob Morrissey. Hey, Bob. Thanks, Bob Russell, Morrison, for on? greeting me. We had a good good time at the open mic at the Rudyard's British Pub. It's nice. Upstairs. Yeah, yeah. We had a good set about Deathwish. Well, can you maybe just tell that uh, I love that joke and indulge me for a second. Uh, just can you tell me that joke about Death Wish, the movie Death Wish? It's the it's those Death Wish movies. There's like five of them, and then in each one, the way it starts off is his wife gets attacked, she gets raped and killed. She gets raped and killed, attacked. Yeah, and so he, it's a revenge thriller every time. Every time. And I was just, I was just thinking, you, you would think like by like the fourth or the fifth one, you know, like the ladies might, I don't know, hesitate before going out with Charles Bronson, right? Yeah. Or like they go on a date and they come home, and they go into his apartment, and there's like four pictures of different ladies on the mantle. She's like, "Oh my God, you have four sisters." And he's like, "I don't have any sisters." And he's like, "Those are my ex-wives." And he's like, "You got divorced four times." And he's like, "I've never been divorced." And then he's like, well, you know, she keeps dating him. You got to wonder who has that death wish. Yeah, uh, this just keeps happening. You're like, yeah, that was, I like the line where he explains, I've never been divorced. So you see, each time I get married. So you want to get married? It's like a 100% chance. Yeah, you'll probably get brutally attacked, it raped, be- murdered. I'm going to get so mad that I'm going to kill everyone who did it. So, but it's the isn't that romantic? Yeah. Well, I think the romance it's is kind of romantic that they're avenged. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> he's a good guy. He's a, by the fifth movie, he's not a good guy anymore. It's just like you can't be a good guy who keeps going out and killing children with guns in a city. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like like by the fourth one, he takes on just like gangs in downtown L.A. And the fifth one is like the Russian mafia. Oh it's, yeah, it really gets ridiculous. Uh, you had this other joke about uh, strains of weed you buy from your drug dealer that are like current events strains of weed, like Ukrainian lives matter. That was a good joke. That was, <laughs> <laughs> you want to buy this Ukrainian lives matter? <laughs> they don't matter. <laughs> they've never mattered. They don't. In hundreds of years, they've always gotten at the worst. In Ukraine, are you kidding? They're always in the middle of whatever giant war is happening. They they should they should be used to it. Yeah, yeah. Just a, they should it's just expect another a genocide to them. Just, yeah, just, just more plunders. Yeah, whatever it's gonna be. I like how people call the Ukrainians fascists. It's like, uh, really, <laughs> like, oh, fucking really. I don't know. Let's talk about it. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. Oh, aren't they? Aren't they? Uh, I guess in the Middle East, use uh, CIA uses the jihadi yeah. death squads. In the Ukraine, they use the neo-Nazi death squads. Yeah, I think. Well, I was um, I was reading this book about uh, Russia in the last like thirty years, called uh, "The Road to Unfreedom," and it's about the uh, the way that the propaganda worked in Russia to enable 
Vladimir Putin to continue to be this uh, Lord oligarch for the last 20 years who's like, you know, uh, they don't have uh, like elections or uh, like any kind of succession principle. It's like he's a he's in complete control and he can't be unelected. And and that is one of the reasons why Russia could never join the European Union was because they didn't follow any kind of democratic principles that were required to be a part of the Union, the European Union. So Ukraine was trying to have elections and trying to democratize in a way that was making it so that like uh, the European Union would be stronger and Russia would have to change. And Russia's like, we're not going to change. We're just going to call uh, Ukraine a bunch of fascists. And here's why. <laughs> I dusted off these old fascist books from 1920, <laughs> and that's like <laughs> we're gonna follow leader or the leadership ethos of these people. Like um, I don't know, like it's a it's pretty fascinating to like. I never understood why people who are kind of fascist, like the fascist right in this country, would have uh, people on the streets with uh, placards of Obama with a Hitler mustache. It's like it's just easy to call somebody fascist, even if you're a fascist. It's like I, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> you know, like, uh, well, yeah, politics. Sorry, <laughs> oh, I just heard the Ukrainian Lives Matter joke, and that was like a pretty funny, like, <laughs> like. Um, I was, hold on. This, this came from a, a meme I did today. Oh, you did a meme today? Do you do memes? Uh, well secret memes you got a secret account you might like to share oh it, ukrainian lives matter oh it's uh dan crenshaw and then i've got uh insane in the ukraine insane in the front it's all it's all joe in ukraine well that's pretty good yeah i met that guy once I met the guy who screams insane in the brain from Cypress Hill. Yeah? Yeah, I got my picture taken with him. Excellent. Did you get yeah. to see him do it? Did you hear it? I was like, hey, can you do that thing? <laughs> do that thing. Uh, nah, I didn't I didn't ask him to do that. I did. It was at the his voodoo festival in like 2004 when I first got out of the army. And Cypress Hill and Queens of the Stone Age were headliners from the voodoo festival. And I went to yeah. this bar that just happened to be the same place where you know the guys from cypress hill and uh queens of the stone age went to hang out after the festival was over you know it was like after, it was like a bar where they were just there and so i knew it was josh hom right. from queens of the stone age but i didn't want to go up and ask him for like an autograph or a picture i just like walked up to him and was like hey man you're so cool and then i had my friend waiting with the camera and i was like and i just pretended like he was like agreeing to take a photo with me and he's like fuck you dude <laughs> i was like see ya <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, it was one of my favorite pictures ever. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, the Warp Tour. There's this dude from the Impossibles, and I want to take a photo with him so bad, but he looks so pissed off. He looks mad when he's about to like. Just, I think I put my arm around him. I was like 17. So, oh, yes. Mm. The Impossibles. I don't know that band. I'm. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Like there, there's a. I'm realizing that I was 
secluded in a world of ignorance and like i had like my like uh little impulses to listen to wilco or whatever but i was not really knowledgeable about music until i started working at the strip club and i realized there's like there are so many genres that i know fucking nothing about like i i did not know most of music really i mean i, li- I listen to a lot of stuff i like but uh, like but my inclinations are not what everybody like it was I, I love that. I think it was my second experience in life where I came to realize that I don't know everything. I know almost nothing. Like when I started doing stand up, I'm like, oh, I thought I was funny. I'm pretty bad. <laughs> I'm pretty not funny most of the time. And uh, I got to change and get better. Then when I um, started DJing, I was like, I realized how much I didn't know. You get that, right? Get out of here. Kisses. Kisses is just like trying to step on the keyboard and. Stand in front of the mic. Mrs. Kisses is my cat. If you've never heard this podcast before, I have a cat named Mrs. Kisses, and she's very cute, and she ruins my clothes and my furniture and shit. Anyway, got any cats, Russell? Yeah, I got a cat. Yeah. Tindo. Tindo? Tindo. Tindo the gray cat. Oh, okay. Got lots of nicknames. Oh, yeah. Love cat. Doodoo claws. Hmm? He has claws, or you declawed him? Uh, we call him doo claws sometimes. Dude, oh, because he shits in the box right. and locks on right. you. And he likes to come up and dip it yeah. in, in, in your cup. Oh, he, he like dips uh, dips his little little paw in shit, and then, hey, drink yeah. this. Uh-huh. He's like, hey, you want some of my uh, shit? Uh, it's good. I love you. Let me, yeah. Well, baby, I kiss her in the face sometimes. Oh. I don't know. I'm seeing a guy, and we're having a good time. It's nice. It's nice to be with somebody. You know. Oh, you can hear that purring. Yeah. You've been with. Uh, how long have y'all been together? For eight years. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. Huh? Eight years, ten years. Eight years, ten years. Nah, mm-hmm. it must be eight years because you were single when I met you. Okay. Well, then you started seeing that. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Damn, you're a parent, and you got you got a, you got a kid. Yes. Yeah. How's he doing? In the is he back in school in person? No, we we did, we did uh, we've done we done homeschool even oh, before okay. the pandemic. Oh, okay. So it's not really a huge change. It's kind of like uh, just but uh, uh, he socialized with the other like does he like meet other kids? Uh, like or is he like uh, never never. <laughs> Those, those people worry about that. That's like the first yeah. thing people. Oh no! Yeah. Is, <laughs> is he is he not in there, in the classroom? Uh with thirty other shitheads. Yeah. I was uh I was raised around uh, I don't know. I guess I like my public school. I, um, but the I was lucky, going to the schools I went to. I feel like uh, no matter what happens in life to me, I I. I gotta be grateful for some of the little uh, advantages I've had by being born, you know, white guy in an affluent neighborhood with good schools in the 1980s, and you know, opportunities to uh, learn like, and 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 also just that that time of like being 13 in the 90s and like, <laughs> yeah, being 13 when grunge hit and all those, you know, 
same feelings or what like you know like nirvana is like quintessential 12 year old and everything that afterward feels like all right you're just fucking yeah <laughs> what do you think you are panic at the disco you're no nirvana man i don't even remember hair metal like my first like pop culture song i remember is life is a highway yeah I remember, I remember hearing that. Probably like a, a good punishment song to play at the strip club if somebody, <laughs> <laughs> if I don't like somebody, I'll put that on for you. <laughs> you come, I would never do that. But uh, <laughs> you come, uh, but yeah, life is a highway. What a great song. <laughs> uh, I wonder where that guy went. Uh, Taco Bell commercial heaven. Oh. Because before that, it was all like, we sing tapes. We sing. We sing. Just yeah, they like they got a whole bunch of folk songs. Yeah. Because no royalties, and then they released them for kids. Oh okay. Then there to. was Kids Bop. I remember that. Yeah, we had some Kids Bop. Yeah. We had, oh my god, oh, there's this Kids Bop. It was like. Was it like Usher? Was it no, like, uh, no. This was it was. It was like a Kids Bop War Machine. It was all the um, military hymns, and then like any kind of suffocation, any kind no of breathing. like patriotic. Thing. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. It would be like just like the jets, like Wait, singing the these kids songs. Kids, we're singing like, "My eyes have seen the glory and the farming of the waves yeah, and the bags of the bread where the grapes of wrath are stored and they go in the." Mo- I I remember over there, hmm. over there, but it's kids. Uh, over there, what's that song? It's like uh, I guess it was a Navy song. The, over are the Marines? Are the Marines maybe? Over there. Yeah, they're gonna go. Yeah. They're gonna go fight over there. Marine will fight. Marine will fight over there. Yeah. My upstairs neighbor laughs like a maniac. He's. I don't know what he's watching. He likes Patton Oswalt specials, and he laughs like a maniac. <laughs> so that's a recurring thing that I have to deal with, but it's fine, because I'm a bad neighbor, too. Like, I'm a loud neighbor. Sometimes I'll scream on this podcast, and he'll be, he's probably like... Oh. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. What are talking about? I was thinking of meeting you up. Oh, Andy called. Let me get a... Oh. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say recording a podcast, Andy, with kisses. Ay ay ay. Very okay. Now he knows. And, uh, mm. I tried a new joke tonight about uh, how we're at that stage of dating where I say uh, where well this where it's like. Uh, we go to a new restaurant, or we go to a restaurant I've never been to before. I've never been to. He's, he's never been to, and, and uh, he eats his first bite of food, and he's like, "Oh, this is amazing." And I'm like, "No, you're amazing. No, you're amazing." <laughs> Ow! <laughs> and every time we so, we drive in a car together, like every time, like every time we get somewhere, like we have to kiss each other. So we, we pull over and then like the car stop the car and it's like okay, and we start making out. Every yeah. time I get somewhere, I get somewhere. I was saying I did, I skipped that because I didn't have the confidence because the first part didn't work that well when I went off. And then, and then I had to think about how we watched Terminator Two together. 
yeah. we watched Terminator 2 together, mm-hmm. and we both were, uh, like, by the end of the movie, just kind of like jacking off together. <laughs> and, and we both came at the same time when Arnold Schwarzenegger was lowering himself into that molten lava, you know, and his thumb was up and he was like sinking, and we're like, oh, coming both at the same time. Like, dun 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 It's a good time to. I think people oh, yeah. know that movie Terminator 2. I think it's familiar to most people still. It's pretty old, but uh, a lot it's, of people haven't seen it. It's, it's great. You got to see it. It's yeah. classic. You got to see it to understand all the <laughs> I other action movies. I have fucking memorized. I have that movie. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've seen that movie. <laughs> because it's, you could just watch that over and over again. It's so funny. It's like, uh, you can't just go around killing people. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! I love that dude so much. I think, I think about that dude all the time. Eddie I, Furlong. I love looking at pictures of Edward Furlong. I love just I love watching him sing those songs oh. in Japan. Oh yeah, he's like the Corey Feldman of today. Oh my god! <laughs> in Japan, he's I fucking like... love him. There's this picture of him. It's like I don't know, maybe from the last five years, like him and Ron Jeremy at some party somewhere. Just, just looking fucking. <laughs> Haggard as shit. Oh, did he get as gross as Ron Jeremy? Is that why he's not in movies anymore? He's just kind of like, I give up. I'm going to be gross. I'm going to hang out with gross old Ron Jeremy. Just sit around with my T2 money. Right. See, <laughs> like, I don't know. You, I, is he is he just coasting? Or is he he doing, must is be. He doing I mean, drugs? it's got to be pretty. Or I don't know. Most people look like shit when they get about 40. So, you know, he's probably no different than the... Like he just kind of gave up on being a movie star and just was a regular person now and just sings his shit songs and hangs out with Ron Jeremy, yeah. who I've heard is like in jail now. He he like raped a bunch of women. Like uh, he's like he was like the funny celebrity porn star, but he would actually like <laughs> like he'd corner women <laughs> like at parties and like pull his dick out as a joke <laughs> and then uh, oh he's like I, isn't that hilarious I, i'm gonna put it in you <laughs> like, oh. I, what a terrible man <laughs> i don't know fucking, I, uh, <laughs> they came after um rick flair he was he was he played that same gimmick did that same uh, thing whipping it out yeah as it but it's, like like it's so weird with wrestling because it's so not respected that no one gives a fuck about what these dudes are up to people who get victimized by wrestlers are like okay you know what it's like to hang around these kind of folks you know it's what did you think you were getting into when you were talking to vince mcmahon who did you think was gonna protect you why are you here of course you're gonna get raped (laughs) it's like this dude One of his wrestlers like like killed his uh, girlfriend and then then he he covered it up like Vince Uh Vince had it covered up. Vince McMahon killed another. I can think it was Jimmy Snuka Uh, and uh, yeah. I always really liked that Motormouth guy. Who's that guy? The 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 uh, the manager guy who's like the uh, the fast talking guy from uh, the '80s who he was like the manager of the. uh, Bushwhackers and like in the Heartbreakers or was, you know. was he the bald dude? Yeah, not uh, something. Wasn't it was uh yeah no it wasn't Ted DiBiase who I also loved. Ted DiBiase would always be like, uh, "What do you have to say before the match?" And he'd be like shocked that they were doing all their 
you know, like threats as wrestlers, you know, you'd be like, oh, like his fame, his acting was the best. Act. Like, I love wrestling because it's acting. Yeah. Like, like the, uh, what's, oh, man. the melodrama, his pantomime violence. Yeah. That's so good. I love it. I love because the best ones, the ones who do it really good, you forget a little bit. You forget. You go, oh, my God. Well, I, I know, but maybe this time, maybe that one really yeah. did. Yeah, I knew a guy in the army who, you know, it'd be perfectly okay if he was like, I'm in the army, I work out like really hard. I'm like, you know, I've been training for this and I just, as soon as I get out, I'm going to go back to my full-time training. I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And I, I, you know, that's my, that's my calling in life. And this is just, you know, I'm just doing this for a couple of years just to, you know, clean, uh, you know, just to, you know, gather some adult cred. And uh, he he was just convinced that he was going to make it as a wrestler. And, uh, and he also thought all the wrestling was real, which I was like, wait, you're never going to make it as a wrestler. <laughs> you think that's real? <laughs> you believe all this shit? Like, I mean, it's real enough when somebody gets like, yeah, I saw the movie, the wrestler. I mean, like it's, the, the injuries are, you know, when you're being thrown onto a bed of broken glass, it, you know, there's no way to fake that. Like there's stuff that, you know, hurts no matter how, you know how much you're uh, not actually getting punched in the face. I always like that when they pretend punch, but then like be stamping their foot. Well, like nobody punches that way. Or the the leg slap. <laughs> they slap their thighs as they're doing something else. Yeah, but yeah. To make it feel like, like most of it comes not from the fake offense, but the person pretending that they got hit. Hurt. Yeah, like, like that's acting like they're dazed. The, and, yeah, they call and then that they wake selling. Up and yeah, if if you can sell, that's like where the acting comes in. Like yeah, when you when you're doing that, like that's that sets apart. Because anyone can go in and you can look tough and blah blah blah, pick someone up, throw them around, but the audience doesn't care unless you start pretending like you're hurt, and then it draws them in. And I like the psychology of it. Like you got to build up the the anger. They call it the heat. The, the bad guy has to do something bad. And then the audience, like the audience, has to hate the bad guy, and then that can help them want to see the good guy win. So the bad guy comes mm. in, cheats, does these things, everyone gets yeah. mad, builds up the heat, and then you transfer the heat from the bad guy to the good guy. Yes, yeah, sometimes the bad guy can become the good guy because it's like he was only a bad guy because of his circumstances, where he's coming from. You know, he had it rough growing up. That guy, he never <laughs> had money. He's, you know, it was a, it was, it was a. It was a tough road, and he was in prison, and he had to fight and stay tough in order to survive. And here he is now, and he's making it as a wrestler because he, he's, he's so ruthless, and he goes after you know any opportunity, and he takes it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't care who he hurts because he's been hurt and he's invincible, <laughs> you know. But that person turns into a good guy when you're like, I just you know, when he defeats somebody like the Undertaker, you know, <laughs> man. Like it's fucking two bad guys go together. It's like which one's worse? They right. Uh, and that's how it goes. Like if they got someone they think will be like a good, good guy star, they'll start him out as a bad guy. Yeah. Because uh, due to what you're saying, like tell that story, tell that bad guy story, and then slowly start turning them. Yeah. And the audience, well, you know, likes them. I love it. I love reading about it. The old days when they did little territories around the country, and then guys would work. A year, maybe more, maybe less, and they move on from spot to spot. Mm. I went to wrestling matches when I was a little kid. I used to go to the WWF matches with my friend Jason. His parents would take us, and we would watch the, uh, you know, 
I, mean, I don't think you watch an actual WrestleMania, but there would be events that would be like, and from right. WrestleMania, yeah, Hulk Hogan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I the love... lineup man. I could be an announcer like that. I could do that. Like, <laughs> like what is that? Like Hulk Hogan, could, he could have done anything <laughs> with whatever that energy he has, man. He could have done the anything. Ultimate he could have taken over the world if he fucking wanted. Oh my God, just happy just to get those cheers. He was an actual real life bad guy, but a good guy character. <laughs> <laughs> he was always the good guy. <laughs> oh my God! Truth, something the American way, brother. Yeah. Tear my shirt off. Er, I could be a wrestler. I don't know. At least I could. I could. I could play the part. Oh well. I can play the scumbag then, uh, yeah, you, manager. Yeah, like you can just talk manager. shit. Because, yeah. like, there's some guys, they look tough, but they can't talk shit. And so they got to have someone else talk shit for them. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, like, yeah. Like, with, but then, like, I, I sometimes see similarities in wrestling and comedy. But then, it's like, in comedy, like, we go up. And, like, the worst thing that can happen is, you know, some temporary social death if the set goes bad. Yeah. But with these, but when, you know, when, like, you know, nothing... But these wrestler dudes, if they go up, like, you know, they're doing it for the same money, maybe even less, and they're getting, you know, they could break their necks. Uh-huh, yeah. And they got to trust on a stranger, a total stranger yeah. to help them out. Yeah. Used to remember that El Bamani. He would do the, the squirrel joke. Do you remember his squirrel joke where he would uh, fall down on stage and play dead to uh, trick the squirrel into thinking he's like, uh-huh. Dead or something because that was his method of, uh, of of like, he he he's a coward. That was the joke. I said he's a coward, and rather than like walk to his door, he like dropped, pretended drop dead and played dead. But then, but then he farted, and uh, and then the squirrel knew I was still alive, <laughs> and that never got laughs ever. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he did it every time. Every oh time he would go on stage, he would end on that and then actually fall down, like and like flip and like fall, like Charlie Chaplin or something, yeah. and just hit the ground really hard <laughs> like, <laughs> to do that joke. <laughs> like, remember Stephen Brando and I were watching him at Warehouse Live and we we're like uh, laughing about how like uh, if he did that joke and he actually died. And the oh audience my took God. like a minute to realize, and they're all just sitting there silent, for, waiting for him to say something else. And he's just over there dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> oh God! Well, Elvis a great guy. He's actually a really nice guy, a really cool person. Maybe uh Maybe he was. When we started, I was. Uh, he was the guy that was like, uh, uh, you know, he. You know, somebody would go up to him after a bad set, was like, uh, oh man, so, so, sorry, was that your first time? And he'd be like, I've been doing it 14 years! I've been doing this 14 years! Get on, man. <laughs> this dude oh my god god bless that dude yeah I'm not talking shit I'm just making fun I mean <laughs> it's, I guess there's a small difference <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a love hate thing. Some moments. Yeah, enjoy, no, I love enjoy these people. There's been times when we did not get along. And I also remember there were times when like uh, there'd be uh, people in the audience like making fun of uh, Alba Mani, like, "Hey, you don't get to do that. <laughs> You're not a comic. You don't get to make fun of Alba Mani. You're not one of us." I mean, yeah. Why'd you go up there, fucker? <laughs> like, I'm like one year in, and I'm like, I'm a comic. I got to <laughs> like, I have any like. <laughs> you know, but he didn't. He didn't repel, like audiences. I don't. I can't oh, no. recall like people getting him and leaving. Like he captivated them and just like a, you're like a what the fuck is going on, oh. kind of thing. But and you know you know sometimes. And I saw him kill, like... Oh, yeah, when... Uh, like, I, I remember going out to shows outside the loop. I'd see him do, like, 25, 30-minute sets, just killing the whole time. And I'd be like, I just ate shit. I'm always... Like, I'm, like, I'm so superior. And then you want somebody fucking kill that you make fun of all the time. You're like, oh. Like, <laughs> God. Yeah. Right, Kirsten? Shut up. Yeah. I was, um... Boy, blow me now. I'm hard, so you don't need to wear. That was Mario's scientist joke, which he dusted off and performed at the Best of Secret group a couple months ago. Oh, Mario Science is in town? Yeah, Mario, he was a couple months ago, and um, it was pretty funny to watch uh, the new crop of comics get acquainted with <laughs> The same jokes that I made fun of a lot ten years ago that he's like, still doing. It was like, and I, I just saw him like I was, I was a you know like it's the first time I'd seen him in like seven or eight years, and um, I uh, I see him on stage like do so badly that I'm just like I'm not even gonna fucking talk to this guy. <laughs> I'm not even gonna fucking say hi. <laughs> I was Dang. all excited to be like, oh, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> I was just like, you are still so bad that uh, I don't need to fucking brush up on my, oh, God. Because he, he just acts like he's hot shit off stage. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm upset. I don't know. Maybe I'm, oh, God. I'm such a little bitch. I think I can be a total little bitch. I'm a little asshole. I mean, yeah. I mean, all these guys, you know, comedy, autism goes together. Yeah. Because. Like one of the things, like I'm saying, is like social depth. If you don't, if you don't feel that, then you know you got like a skill. You got like a little leg up on a lot of people. Yeah. You can go on stage. You can just do it. However, you know, over and over. And if <laughs> you know that that rejection never connects. Mm. Yeah. And then it just does. You know. So it can be superpower, and it can you know, hold you back. Sometimes I feel really bad if I like forget a dancer's name or something and i and, and i like i'm like hey, uh, i don't know like sirie's name or something and she's like i'll go out and i'm like okay <laughs> go to the stage now beautiful <laughs> all right that is uh, third song yeah let's hear it one more time for me. she was great right <laughs> And, oh my god, did you get away with it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> and, uh, oh my god. Oh my god, what a nightmare. But there's also the thing of like, you know, 
all right, so I forgot her name and I met her four times and maybe she's tipped me a few times to not go on stage and I don't really have any deep conversations with her. And she changes her look the three or four times I do meet her over the course of a couple months <laughs> and uh, you know, it looks like a completely, totally different person and also seems to look like everybody else who has the lip injections and the straight peroxide blonde hair yeah. and the you know makeup all done up to look pretty in a stripper way it's like everything a stripper looks like is uniform for a reason and it's like you're indistinguishable it's just like the army to me for that reason because it's like everybody's wearing an identical face almost and like people are treated like they're indistinguishable and interchangeable and um sometimes I forget specific names and that's the worst thing you can do is like call uh, call infinity k when they're both like Short oh. black girls. Mm. And you there. She's like, oh, so we all look the same? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh, it's a bad feeling. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it's like the guy Andy that I'm seeing, he's like, uh, um, calm down. Don't be so sad. Uh, sometimes you are sensitive to a fault. Her world is not crashing because you forgot her name it's not a big deal you you know she might mm-hmm. not like you that much but, <laughs> uh, but she'll get over it it's fine we'll all get over it <laughs> it's, uh, there's there's some yeah. kinds of confrontations you just have to fucking get used to and deal with and little you know when you're trying at least try i try try to remember everybody's name try to remember every song they want and uh, just can't do everything you know, tell everybody waiting for Superman that they should try to hold on best they can. He hasn't dropped them. You know that song? Forgot them or anything. It's a Flaming Lips song from like 1999. Anyway, I listened to it today. It was. I was do you realizing earlier today in my apartment. Yeah. Just do you Uh-oh. realizing. Uh-oh. <laughs> Real loud. That's Wayne I, Coin voice. That's, <laughs> Sorry, neighbors. There you go. That's a one or two month into a relationship song. <laughs> I remember I put that on a mixtape for Kimmy. That you have the most beautiful face. God, today he made bad voice like a... I like that album. Bad Voice History. Yeah. Yeah. Her name is Yoshima. <laughs> on, on the first SpongeBob movie, they put a song on that album. Oh, yeah. I fucking love it. There's this noise. I don't even sound. I guess it's like a synthesizer. Wow. Sounds so cool. That one? Uh whatever that bass-ish thing is a lot of songs I listen to now kind of go more like it sounds like an electronic note stretched out to like when you think about a bubble popping yeah I used to like when he would I saw him live and he did when I saw him live he did that thing where he got into the the bubble and then just like had the crowd mm-hmm. like toss him around and he was like stage diving in this bubble and just still singing and walking while the crowd was like 
passing him around. Yes. That was pretty cool. Good performer. Funny guy. He was funny on that um, Comedy Bang Bang podcast and show a couple times. I, I respect anybody who's got a good sense of humor. I'm like, you know, you oh, don't that's, suck. That's yeah, important. You know, I like you. You don't suck. It's so important. Humor. Uh, humor. Yeah. Like, uh, and and also, I was, I was talking with some people the other day. I was just like, you know, when I was 20, I used to have all these uh, opinions, which were so harsh, about... Um, comedians who i hate it it's like fuck you dane cook you suck you're terrible you're not funny fuck that shit that guy sucks i'd be like that sucks until i started doing comedy i didn't realize that he doesn't suck he made it it's very hard to make it if you suck and so uh you know i might not like it but but uh my attitude from before was like "Mm, bullshit I was like, that's not total bullshit. That reminds, that totally <laughs> hey. reminds me, like sophomore, junior year, I'm like Blink One Eighty Two. It's not suck. real punk rock. <laughs> there's, there's real punk rock out there, yeah. and it's not them. Yeah, and then inevitably the stuff you're like, this is real punk rock. That shit is really bad. <laughs> like uh, the stuff I listen to, like, uh, I like, I don't like Apocalypse Hoboken. <laughs> they're a good band. They're, they're from. Like these nobody bands from Chicago that are like, you know, playing for 10 people when I go to an all ages <laughs> show. It's like, they're real punks. I'm like, it's fun to see their, it's, they're the equivalent of the open micers that I see all the time. But there's really not much of a scene for low level musicians anymore. There's no way to put out records and go on tour and sustain yourself at all if you're a musician. Who is not Justin Bieber, or you know somebody like that? It's like you have to make it before you do anything, and so nobody can really do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like, I think it's the way it goes for music. That's why I think comedy is taking off a little bit right now. With, uh, you know, things comedy is just much easier to put on and uh, for people to perform for no money. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't ever have to get paid, and and, ne- and there's enough people to like always have a show you know, people don't have to travel to see it it's like there's always going to be a hundred people deep that are funny enough to make a show worth paying for in any yep. city you go to mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, and it, it flows with the times you know yeah. it blew up when uh, everyone got some cable we got to see some yeah. raunchy comics in the 80s and now we got the the socials and the podcast like sometimes that's you know that seems like it's moving things it's pretty fun to do a podcast, even though it doesn't make you rich, even though it doesn't uh, really reach anyone, even though it's not really ever going to make it. And uh, but when's the last time, like like right now with the uh, you know like Joe Rogan, like he's like making comics, like just by going on his podcast. Yeah. Like when's the who had that power before? Like you know they say like the late night hosts like. Like Letterman or oh, the Kingmakers are now podcast. I guess like you know Viacom or Lauren Michaels. You know you can you can pick the winners, and then now maybe it's a little more space. I I watched a a thing that I didn't really like that much on Netflix just the other day. I watched the uh, Seth Rogen Hilarity for Charity special that was supposed to uh, be a 
fundraiser for Alzheimer's filmed at the Hollywood Improv and featuring a hundred different cameos from all the big comedy stars and small sets from people like Michelle Wolf and Michael Che and Chelsea Peretti and John Mulaney and these people that are great that like you know there's Chris Hardwick's on it and like it was just like it seemed so much like uh like they got they're 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 high on their own supply and they're only doing comedy for each other and they're this group of like 15 rich people who are all like doing these jokes like isn't it funny that everybody has a netflix special it's like no not everybody has a netflix special i mean that's a very rare thing still and uh just because you have one and a lot of other people have one doesn't mean that like uh they're ubiquitous or, or you know uh like that that and also who's laughing at that at home like <laughs> i know a guy with a netflix special <laughs> he's not even talented at all nobody knows a guy with a netflix special oh it's, it, it's you see people like just it, I, I can only watch about half of it and the, although there were some really great moments in that little thing like they're all really funny talented people and the thing but it just seemed like it was like here's how money talks to money hi money <laughs> don't you have a lot of money i do too that's funny <laughs> like um i don't want to hear that but that's that, like i listen to the some old-time radio and it's still those same like those jokes have never gone away those inside oh those inside those show business jokes yeah and, like the jargon it's like Everyone knows showbiz jargon because, you know, we got to watch them joke with each other about it. Oh, yeah. You see the... Um, I love roasts and stuff. I, uh, I've, 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 uh, I, I like when they actually... Uh, I guess I just... I like Seth Rogen in a lot of movies and different roles, but I just don't think he's a funny stand-up. I don't think... And, and anytime you see somebody uh, who's not really good at stand up oh, yeah. because he hasn't really done it ever who's just you know thinking that he can like uh try it out and you know have uh you know his talented friends all support him while he's doing this like Vince Vaughn doing stand up it's like you were funny in some movies it's a totally different thing go on stage and Tom Green yeah Steve Charlie Hill. Sheen fucking stand up oh, that's right that's yeah. right <laughs> like Tom Green was pretty funny the few times I saw him I saw Tom Green at the improv in like 2014 or 2015 mm-hmm. and he was yeah. he was pretty good for about 40 minutes and then 20 minutes left he's like hey remember all these parts from Freddy Got Fingered he just was like <laughs> everybody in the audience had come because they knew Freddy Got Fingered and he's like remember this remember this he spent 20 minutes just like remembering his own movie we're all like ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> like, I saw it <laughs> I don't know Rip Torn was the best part of that movie that guy <laughs> Underappreciated. He's dead now. I like that movie. I'm so glad that movie got made. Yeah. I like uh, Defending Your Life was one of my favorite movies when I was a little kid. The one with Albert Brooks and Rip Torn as his uh, defense, you know, the, his lawyer when he's uh, in the limbo period. You know, oh, he's, he's died? He, he dies and then he goes to a place where they determine whether he's going to live another life on earth to uh before he passes on to the next better world or you know um 
or, or or like you know just he either passes or fails and there's people like there's like people who are saying uh you didn't learn enough as a human you didn't you didn't learn anything you need to go again and uh i think that was played by helen mirren and uh rip torn was his uh, defender <laughs> who is like uh no nah, you lived a good life he did a, he did everything he could and he you know he's a I, I don't know. I can't do a rip torn voice. Like, but uh, whatever. I don't remember most of the lines from the movie. I just remember like, he, like the, uh, I'm not a guy who like I would have to do most things over. I think I don't think I made it. I don't think I really uh, lived a a good life. And, and and it was one of my. I think it's a really. Um, if you were to review your life, do you think you made choices that you can defend? And the afterlife, if somebody's like, you know, you go to heaven or hell, which one were you? Like, I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, like we're humans, you know, haven't uh, any mortal sins or anything. But uh, man, no one, no one gets out. Yeah. Without making some mistakes, some bad decisions, hurting people and betraying yeah. their family and. You know, mm-hmm. just uh, taking the money, running away, being a coward. You know, <laughs> I mean, goddamn, I don't. Yeah, like I don't. Even, I don't question the human experience or history. How like humans did anything in the past ever after just like the last, you know, especially the last two years, but definitely like. It's like, oh yeah, this all makes sense. Like we are humans. We are the same motherfucking humans, every yeah. time, oh. every time. We yeah. are. Oh, God! I, I've been. Uh, I was. I've. I'm working at the strip club. Makes me feel guilty sometimes. So to balance, I um, you know, I decided when I started working there, I would. I I read the book Beloved, the Toni Morrison mm-hmm. novel Beloved. I was like, I'm going to read or reread every single Toni Morrison novel and book published by the, like in the next year. When I, my first month there, yeah. I was like, just so I can like be a feminist and anti-racist in my thoughts. Uh, even if I'm in this place that is just my job, I can have a soul. And uh, even if I don't believe in a soul, I can like, you know, but like I can be in touch with the, uh, the reality of other people's experience. If I read every Toni Morrison novel and I, I remember like, like reading beloved and, and in the parking lot, I was, I was at like, like this crucial point of the book beloved where it was very emotional. I was just like weeping in the parking lot of the strip club, all dressed up in my suit. <laughs> and like just reading the book beloved. I was like half an hour early reading and then just getting out and then walking into the club. And be like, all right, everybody. <laughs> Let's, I was like, I'm not the first person to cry in this parking lot, but probably for <laughs> probably the first person to cry over this <laughs> in this parking lot. <laughs> probably, like, but, uh, but I'm reading Sula. I'm reading Sula right now, her second novel, and um, I had read it when I was 26, but I had forgotten this one scene in it where these two 12-year-old black girls are um, hanging out by like a river. And they see a little three-year-old kid. He's by himself in a tree. And then he falls out of the tree. And they're like, you silly little bitch. And then they go and they pick him up and they're playing with him and making him laugh. And then they're like 
like, spinning him around his arms and like his uh you know his little uh pants are kind of billowing out and he's going so fast and he's having all like wee until they accidentally trip and the one girl lets go and he flies into the water and hits his head on a rock and oh dies. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're, like, they're like two 12-year-olds oh who, who just killed a kid together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they're like, oh, God damn it. Oh. And, then and then they don't tell anyone. And then the body burbles up in another part of the river like three days later. And nobody claims it. And they're like, just throw it back. It's just a little baby black kid. And they don't care. And the authorities are like, why did you waste our time with this death? And the mother's like, you know, it, it, the body's unrecognizable because it was so, you know, oh my God. like deformed and bloated. And, like, and uh, but they knew it was him because he was missing. Yeah. And uh, these, these like two 12 year olds had to live with it. And I, I like that. That I love Toni Morrison. She's like my favorite novelist because like, it's not just like a story about racism. It's just like about how bad humans are. But they're only bad to each other because, you know, this three-year-old was neglected. And these kids are, like, living in a society that doesn't care about them. And they have to, like, internalize their own, you know, like, their survival depends on living in a world that, you know, defines them in a way that is, you know, second class. Mm -hmm. uh, we are all kind of, like, I don't know. If I die, no no billionaire is going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, there's no way... Like, uh, my life matters to anyone who matters. <laughs> like, uh, and, and and that's not a black or white thing. That's an everybody thing. <laughs> and that's why she's an interesting novelist to me, I think. It's like, it's not just like, I don't know. Well, anyway. <laughs> but, but I'm not one of those people who, who's like, yeah, we're all human, you know? Like, racism's not a... We've all, we've all, racism is a thing of the past, you know, like they, they, they beat that in the sixties, you know, now here we are on the same plane. It's not the same for everyone, but of course. Like so much of public school, I just remember being taught like the success of the civil rights, like they wanted to hold up the civil rights, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, that's what it was taught. And it's like, oh, and then we did it. Oh, it was, it was like, and then, and then everything we, changed. And, fixed it. and, you know, like the, the slow clap started in 1965 and the president signed the, the, you know, the civil rights act, you know, and he said like, we, Lyndon Johnson's like, well, we lost the South for a generation, but it was worth it to, you know, we shall overcome. And he says, we shall overcome. And the world goes <laughs> and racism is over. It's not over, but it is. It was great for him. Like it was like one of the. I think that's one of the best things a president has ever done. But presidents have never been my favorites. They're not great. They're not good people. <laughs> any of them. They're <laughs> like, uh, like uh, but there are those TV moments that you know. It's like Elvis. You know, it's like he was great because of TV. Because you know, yeah. So much of the story of racism seemed to be like an arc that was you know presented as like a, a thing that you know was a well you know mississippi burning that movie that was in the 50s here we are you know as a result of these struggles by these abolitionists and freedom fighters and, you know in a better world but the world just gets you know more complicated it doesn't get better yeah it's no different yeah Humans doing the same shit we do with each other forever. 
Uh, a little note. I was uh, I was listening to an audiobook. I listened to nonfiction. I can't listen to fiction audiobooks so for some reason it doesn't work. But I was listening. I to can't that. follow, but yeah, like, I, 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 I lose it. I have to read the story. And it was um, um, what happened to Bernie Sanders? It was like. Someone from his campaign, a lawyer, or the guy who sued the DNC, he wrote a book, and then the audio book is so crazy. They, I, this had to happen on purpose. Like, whoever's reading the book, like when they read the lawyer's part, like the guy who wrote the book, they read his voice like this. Uh, your, your honor, what I, what I meant, like, 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 wimpy, stutter, like little, wimpy, like a total bit, like a little Alan Collins. And then when he, yeah, right. And when, he, when we read the DNC lawyer, it's like, well, clearly looking at these documents, we have it's no John doubt. John talking, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it, like it's it's like this man. This is on purpose. This is this is institutional power, man. You can write you can write a book. What happened to Bernie? But yeah. the, if, you know, <laughs> so whoever's recording that book that day, it was vicious. Yeah, I don't know. If, I mean, like, I don't know if. Uh... The world would be even. I I think, you know, Trump was the worst president of all time, but I think Hillary Clinton probably would have been a pretty uh, same thing as Obama, which never really accomplished uh, that much of substance. But Hillary probably would have kept the total fascists out of the Supreme Court seats. Although you know, they've always been like the Supreme Court. If you're looking at them. For justice, you're uh, that's you're a fool. <laughs> like the the nine appointed judges are, are always going to be like 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 ruling for the benefit of organized money and uh, protected interests and political power and you know the rights of the haves. And it's like the 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 choices are you know the deck is stacked against you. If if your only hope is to appeal to the Supreme Court. You're probably not going to get what you want, and it's it's not a good way to expect political action is to vote for the president to, you know, appoint good judge justices on the Supreme Court. Like, if you if you think it, the structure works from the top down, then you're wrong. It's like you build up from the ground to affect political change, and everything local is uh, pretty meaningless nobody knows local politics there's no local news source there's no uh, there's no real uh, you know, uh, sense that Houston is different than Chicago we're all the same I think if you're living in a city it's like the same life like yeah. I, I, I guess maybe I'm wrong I don't know uh, wow well, I'm I'm just blathering about politics, like I like like I have a like I, like I have any fucking like. I mean, I, w- I want to look to any support. I want to look to any of them for justice. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I I enjoy it. I enjoy watching people acquire and use power. That's so interesting to me. But I can't. I don't have morality tied up in it. Uh, you don't think like uh, Trump voters are scumbags? All of them, fascist. You know patriarchal misogynist uh pieces of shit no it's just a it's a, he put it together a co a coalition yeah you got a you got he didn't a, really obama do it. He, he was there at the right place at the right time kind of took advantage of the the way 
you know, the way things were going. I think Russia used. Oh yeah, he's, no, he channeled it, man. I, See, I think Russia really had a vested interest in Trump winning, and he had a vested interest in like you know, and in, in Russia being the same, and so they you know work together, and, and they're working for the same thing. It's not just like, uh, yeah, there's blocks that transcend nationalities or nationalism, and and it's it's, anyway, and I, and it, and and. And whatever, whether I talk about it or not, it's still going to be the same. Whether I do anything about it or not, it's still going to be the same. But, uh, but do you think talking to audiences and making people feel like they're living in a well, common reality, at the very least, is sort of nice? Or do you think it does something for people? Is that is that a thing you would say you've done if you died and you had to defend your life? Whatever. Are you talking about common? Yeah, yeah. Is is comedy something you're super proud of doing because you're like, well, um, I talked to people and I made them laugh and and they, and and I made a whole uh, group of diverse people feel a, like a sense of harmony and unity by all laughing at the same time over something I said. Eh, isn't that a gift that I, you know, you know, I, I deserve, you know, at least some credit for, you know? Yeah, come on, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I was> like. <laughs> If you're a bad comic, though, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like making people laugh, but I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think I'm doing it for you. You don't know what your motivations are? I think about that all the time. What? I think that's I think that's one of the first questions the audience audience asks when someone walks in. Like, why is this person here? Yeah. Like, why? What? Why are they here? And I think about that. And some people have like a real strong story of why they're there, and they can get it across in like seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, the audience likes that; they like that a lot. When they can, or you, you, know, you start telling them right away. You know, and your actions, your have your words. Or if you're just funny right away, that's like if you're just funny. But and maybe that's like the it. answer. Maybe yeah, maybe like, that's why you're there. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, they. Um, the I still think the funniest, one of the funniest shows I've ever seen was uh, that roast of Joe Bates. One of the first things I saw was, uh, was the first time I saw you and the first time I saw Zach Brooks and Albert DeLeon and Mark Hurtado. I think Torian yeah. Tomlin was on that. Yes, and then that uh, right. funny dude. Uh, Aaron Brooks, not Aaron Brooks. Uh, Aaron Barrett. Okay. Aaron Brooks is a much different comedian. He's like a really talented, funny, like professional. Aaron Barrett is um, real bad, but, uh, but a really sweet guy who's just <laughs> not all there. But uh, is that Wesley? This is my impression of uh, of uh, Wesley Wesley Willis's manager. I swear he's not retarded. All right, he's not. He's not retarded. All right, it's an. All right, this is what makes him. All right, this is my impression of a Gigi Allen's manager. I swear he's retarded. <laughs> no one knows what he's doing. He's, 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 he's a good guy. He's just a retard. <laughs> okay, well, this is the Wesley Willis. What is that? Is that? What was going on? Were people taking advantage of that? I dude? whipped Spider-Man's ass! <laughs> I whipped Spider-Man's ass! 
Like, they're funny. Like, like how, uh, Howard Stern and his, like, and his group, his little Beetlejuice. Yeah, rock on Chicago, rock over London. I, Suck a donkey dick. I think I think there's Beat a chance that, that ODB yeah. was on that Wesley Willis level. Like, yeah. I wonder if... ODB he, was funny, though. He was so fucking like... Do, that like... Hey, hey, baby, I got your money. Hey, dirty. Like, do you think that's a linear? Baby, I got your or do you think money. they just let him talk? And then, and then they're like they put they piece that it together. That song is funny. I want, uh, it's, it's so great. Yeah, all, all this stuff is great. But I wonder if like it happens like the way it comes out, or if it's like a, I don't know. Ah, he was just gifted with uh, <laughs> communicating in a way that nobody else can. <laughs> it's uh, like nobody sounds like ODB. <laughs> nobody sounds like Wesley Willis either, or Daniel Johnston. I don't know if that is exploitation. The like. The, the kind of like weird performances from people who are just strange and on strange on stage because they're strange. I used to think that the Tim and Eric awesome show, great job retinue of, of freaks was a little bit like, I don't know. Are you, are you just like finding people and being like, Oh, look at David Liebhart. He's so crazy. <laughs> or like, look at, but these people like doing that. They're like, you know, they, they're like I, if I were, uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not means that wasn't mean spirited but it can be mean spirited to feature uh you know i don't i don't think like old dirty bastard was any a victim in any way at all <laughs> of his like you know people surrounding him putting him on stage and making him rap or <laughs> making him sing and perform like there's uh and uh, i also don't think that about wesley willis because what else is wesley willis going to do he loves doing that he loves making those songs <laughs> he loves we're doing these incredible shows and like in the weird art he made, you know, with the you know lines of uh, buildings and he had like a, a certain kind of talent that nobody else had, even if it looks childish. It was a you know he was devoted to it. Yeah, um, and that's the thing because like you think anyone could just like hit the Casio button yeah. and start running their mouth, but you know there's some soul to it. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's, I it's, so. it's it's sincere. Yeah, it uh, that. There's a documentary I watched about Wesley Willis that was pretty moving and touching, and like, and that was a question that was addressed: Is this guy being, you know, uh, um, I think it was called the Daddy of Rock and Roll. That was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but is this guy being uh, used or manipulated by his handlers, or shouldn't he be, you know, kind of like? But this is good for him to go up on stage and do this, and people really like it. So what's the harm? Yeah. Uh, I felt that way about Aaron Barrett, but I also felt like, oh god, that was tough to watch. His <laughs> he was pretty tough to watch. After a while, doing those like, uh, uh, his jokes. Do you remember an Aaron Barrett joke? I remember one. Tell me. Um, he used to have a joke about uh, 3D porn, where you got the, where the. Th- he put on his glasses and he could see Ron Jeremy's dick pointing out in his face <laughs> from the screen. And then, then he had a joke about fucking an Asian chick and using soy sauce as a lubricant. Mm. It just sounded violent and awful. Mm-hmm. And people in the crowd would be like, oh, I hate this. You, there wasn't enough soul to it. Maybe a zero. <laughs> like, like, um, if it, if it leaves you feeling bad, then yeah, like, something's something's. Not. There was this dude. 
when I when I started telling jokes, um, his name was Larry Simon. I guess he was like a real estate dude or like a lawyer or something. But he would come up and he would do these just, just raunchy, dry one-liners. And the one I remember, I love it so much. He, he, he would go up there and be like, I think girls should have to pose in their high school yearbooks on all fours. <laughs> 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 oh my god! I, I was cracking it every what time. What audience? Like that was his, that was his, it was so dry. It was so, and it was uh, like, was it the, was great. Is he the guy who had the joke about shittles? No, that was Scott something. Oh, Scott something shittles. Yeah. But Larry, like I think Larry was like for the comics. I think the comics loved him more than. Oh, the audience. Yeah, they all loved watching that same guy bomb every week. Oh, he's the best. the one that we all love. He would Look, know. I like, hate like, those groups. Like, Watch have... this shit. Look at this freak. Look at this stupid idiot. <laughs> like it was, you're not that good yourself, asshole. It was, it was <laughs> but it was different than Al B. Like Al yeah. B was like that's uh, something else. Where, <laughs> well, I, I can't speak for him. But I love watching Larry. What? I wonder what Larry's up to. <laughs> Oh, LB watching him sometimes. There was a moment where I was like, I was watching LB and I realized that I spent two years watching him go up on stage, do the same material for five minutes, four or five times a week, maybe even more than that. For like, if I was like, on, if there were, if I was in an especially like doing three mics a night kind of mode, mm-hmm. I was like, I've seen him like, I've spent so much time watching LB. I haven't been home in five years. I haven't seen my family from Chicago in like five years. All I see is this guy <laughs> doing this fucking queen joke that nobody likes, or you know, the, <laughs> yeah, the, like, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Well, you want to wrap it up? I guess it's uh, been an hour. You know, it's a pretty good podcast. I gotta meet up with Andy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go meet little Andy. Probably gonna. Do you know that um, Dolly Parton song, Me and Little Andy? No. It's, it's about a little... It's told... It's sung from the point of view of a of a little girl who died with her little dog in a storm because her parents were neglecting her. Oh, <laughs> and her the little dog with Andy. <laughs> and it's like... It's the little girl pleading for help from the afterlife to somebody who didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) And then the dog drowning in the river. (laughs) That's beautiful. Yeah, me and little Andy. (laughs) Just kind of neglected, ruined. That. Yeah. And let's take it to the next level. Because there's there's a lot of country songs about drowning. (laughs) But I don't know how many about a dog. But... A, a, a child dog, ghost and its dog ghost haunting mm-hmm. from the grave or from their forgotten watery grave that nobody cared about. <laughs> like, nobody of, celebrated their death. I love a good song about that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Wound, wound up two times talking about a little child killed in a river. <laughs> <laughs> She's maybe the worst way to die. This. <laughs> That's uh, weird that, that art keeps finding you. Yeah. I'm really glad I didn't die as a child. It comes in threes. What's what's that what's <laughs> yeah, that like, what's that third child killing art? Yeah. <laughs> I'll read another child rape novel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks for doing the podcast, Russell. Sam Mac. Thank you, Bob. Okay. Has this been 
All right, I think we really healed our whatever. I don't know. Am I a good person? Come on, tell me. Come on, come on. Am I a good person? Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Hey. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You're a great guy. Yeah, you're a great guy. I'm a great guy. That's it. Yeah. All right. The Healing Club. I fucking hate that name. Never going to like that name. Why did I name it that? All right. Well, how do I end the podcast now? Just awkward. Yeah, that's pretty awkward. Silence. Okay. And, All right. I mean, I, I think we had it about two minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. I could have just stopped <laughs> it about two minutes ago. It would have worked. What a fucking... I always do this. Oy. Oy. Say something real funny. Okay. Um, I'll, 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 if I, if we started on one of your jokes. I'm gonna end on my new joke that I. Okay. That I wrote with little Andy, little Andy, and I wrote it because <laughs> I, I had drawn like a picture of a comedian going, Cal Pacino, right? It was like he's just saying the words Cal Pacino, and yes. then and then I was showing that to Andy, and I was like, Hey, what if El Pacino was a cow? He's like, yeah, would you go to any of his movies? <laughs> would you go see an Al Pacino movie <laughs> if he was a cow? Pretty good. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. All right. Bye. <laughs>